Our scripture came from 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, and the first through the seventh verses. But I'd like to just lift up right now the sixth verse, which reads, When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. Last week I introduced to you the law of divine reciprocity, also known as the law of the harvest. And I shared with you that you not only reap what you sow, but that you also reap more than you sow, and that you reap after you sow. You cannot, nor should you expect to reap anything if you have not made some kind of investment in a future harvest. Now the important thing that we understood from that message is that the law works whether you are sowing something good or something bad. And whether we like it or not, the good or the evil that we are harvesting right now in our lives is directly related to the kinds of seeds that we have been sowing all our lives and even what we are sowing today. It is therefore very important to pay close attention to the kind of seeds that you are sowing. If you sow kindness and friendship towards other people, then greater kindness and greater friendship is what you should be experiencing in your life. Likewise, if you're sowing discord and anger and meanness, then do not be surprised if no one wants to be around you and why you do not have any friends or meaningful relationships. You always reap what you sow and you reap more than what you sow. But picking up this idea this morning, I'd like to go beyond the kind of seeds that you sow to the power of the law itself. As such, I'd like to talk to you this morning about the power of giving. Now, contrary to what you might be believing right now in your minds, because I say I want to talk about giving, you might think that I'm going to be preaching a message to you about money. To be fair, money is an important element in the message. But if you stay the course with me, you will see that I will be sharing something that goes well beyond mere money. I'm talking about the power of giving. And I intend to focus more precisely on the act of giving and what it does in the kingdom of God. So I'm going to talk about faith. And in the context of the scripture, I have titled this message quite simply, One More Vessel. One More Vessel. Let us pray. To God be the glory for the great things you have done. Thank you, Lord, for this preaching time. Speak now, Lord, for your children are listening. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. The kingdom of God is a term we have heard often. And the kingdom of God actually refers to the realm where God's reign and his rule and his divine will is manifested. 
It is governed by non-negotiable laws and principles that are God-backed and are God-guaranteed, and they can never be broken. In other words, these laws and principles in the kingdom of God are always right and they are always true. But God chose to share aspects of his kingdom with mankind. And to do that, he supplemented his laws and principles by instituting certain conditions that made it easier for man to follow. Case in point, a law such as remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy, in it you shall not do any work, is a conditional law that points to God's desire for reverencing his authority. But our failure, our failure to keep this law does not change the fact that God still has authority. It only forfeited man's relationship to that authority. To further make the point, Jesus knew all the laws and all the principles in the kingdom of God. And whenever he was accused of breaking any law, Jesus would tell us things like, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And he did not come to break the law, but to fulfill the law. Jesus, as a man, fulfilled all of the conditional laws of men perfectly. So when he died a sinner's death, unjustly it was a direct rebuke at satan who tried to use the law that says the wages of sin is death so that an innocent man paid the price for a crime he did not commit this act is what gives jesus the right to make intercession on behalf of you and me and all sinners and whenever we come to faith in jesus christ we can simply call on his name we can simply plead the blood the innocent blood that was shed and that gives us the right to be able to be imputed to us his righteousness making you and i fully eligible for god's forgiveness this works because God's laws and principles are always true in the kingdom and they are without compromise and they can never ever be broken. So if God tells you something, you can literally take it to the bank. And since God's word is always true, the problem is not God. The problem is that you and I just don't believe. In our text, we find a woman that is very anxious about what she and her family will eat or drink or even wear for clothing and is desperate to know how she will be able to live, especially now that her husband and provider has died. Some of you may be able to identify with her, especially during this pandemic, and can relate to not knowing how you will be able to make it through the next day, let alone next week. And the truth is, whenever you find yourself in a situation like this, sometimes through no fault of your own, it becomes hard to have faith and to trust that God will see you through. It can be very easy for a preacher to stand in the pulpit and say to people, just trust God or simply just have faith and God will make a way out of no way or your blessing is on the way. It's very easy for a preacher to stand in the pulpit and to tell you, God told me to tell you that this is your season. Now, to be honest, these may all be true. 
But the fact is, when you don't have the money and your rent or mortgage is due tomorrow, when your kids can't go to school because of COVID and you still have to go to work, when your bank account is negative and you need to buy groceries, when you want to stop running up the credit card and the car needs a new transmission, you get the picture, you get where I'm going. Sometimes the last thing you want to hear is weeping indoors for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I have no joy joy when I can't make ends meet. And the truth is, I feel like God has abandoned me to the point where I can't even fall asleep at night because my mind is restless and my anxiety is overwhelming. Yes, preacher, I know that God is good all the time and all the time God is good, but I just don't feel that goodness right now. I'm sure many of you know what I'm talking about and I'm just simply trying to keep it real with you on this Sunday morning. This is where the poor woman is in our story. She has lost her means of support. She has no job. She has no money. She has no insurance. And she has two sons that she needs to care for. And in her cry of desperation, she appeals to the man of God. So as we look at this issue of the power of giving, I want to make sure you see three crucial things that emerge out of this story. The first thing we see is that you have something in the vessel in your house. You have something in a vessel in your house. As the woman makes her appeal to Elisha, watch this, she does it in a way that seeks to guilt or obligate God's prophet. Look carefully with me at what she says to him. She says, your servant, your servant, my husband, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Now we know that she is the wife of the sons of the prophets, meaning she's a pastor's wife. And she's appealing to Bishop Elisha. She's attempting to make sure that he is aware of his responsibility to her. Now whether this is an appropriate way for her to make the appeal, I don't know. But what I do know is that she is in a place of such desperation that she feels she has no other choice. She has to make an appeal that is going to be compelling enough to get the man of God to move. But Bishop Elijah does something very curious. Watch the text. He says to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Now, when I read the text, I noticed that there wasn't an answer to the first question. The first question was, what shall I do for you? And I interpret this to be a rebuke to the woman for the manner in which she approached him. Now, I really don't know for sure, and I can't prove this, but I want to use this opportunity to say to you and to caution you, church, that not because you may be in a desperate situation or maybe because you have some desperate need that is so important to you, it does not give you the right to talk to God's people any and any old kind of way. I want you to know that respect goes a far way in trying to get what you need. And it never comes through sarcasm, disrespect, or contempt. I'm just saying. As my father-in-law would say, you get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. So she's fortunate that Bishop Elisha did not hold that against her. But he did ask her what she had in the house. To which she replied, nothing in the house except for a jar 
of oil. Not only is this woman upset, brokenhearted, and somewhat disrespectful to the bishop, she's also very short-sighted. Here's what I mean. To say you have nothing in the house when you have two sons is a tough pill for me to swallow, but that's a whole sermon for a whole different time. But she uses the term except in reference to the very thing that God is going to use to bring about her blessing. You see, church, what I want you to see is that sometimes your bitterness and your anger, your frustration and your grieving can make you blind to the true value of the things that you have around you. I have nothing except is what she says, and it's a way of talking yourself out of what you actually have. And God has provided you with something that you may be sitting on right now in your house, looking at every single day, yet dismissing it, thinking it has no value. You may be dismissing right now the little kitchen that you have in your home and miss the fact that it could be a place where you could start a pastry program for your neighbors. You, you may be dismissing your, your little car and miss the fact that it could be an Uber vehicle post-pandemic. You, you may be even dismissing the problem child and miss the fact that they may be the ones that grow up and eventually are taking care of you when everyone else has gone. You know what I'm talking about. My point is, you have a vessel or some means in your house that just might be everything that you need in order to start moving into your abundance. The problem is you just don't see it. You need to pray. You need to ask God to show you what it is that you do have and how that can be used for your deliverance and for his glory. Even if all it is, is a jar of oil. Secondly, you need the empty vessels of other people. Elisha then says to her, go borrow vessels at large for yourself and from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. The very simple point that I need to make here is that the empty vessels of others is your hope for relief. Here's what I mean. I already shared with you that you reap what you sow and that you reap more than what you sow and that you reap after you sow. I've already shared that with you. But in addition to all of this, I also said to you that you must be mindful of what you sow. So I must now add something else to that list. You must sow what you have that other people need. You must sow what you have that other people need. This is the fundamental principle of entrepreneurship. It's where your gifts, your talents, your abilities intersect with human need. The point is, no one is going to buy something from you that they don't want. So the principle that Elisha is emphasizing here is that you, like the widow, needs to go out and to get the empty vessels of others. This is a euphemism for finding out what it is that people are lacking. Some people's vessels may be partially empty or some people's vessels may be fully empty. You cannot supply anything to them unless you first collect their empty vessels. 
You need the empty vessels of others as hope for your relief. Finally, finally, you need to pour into the empty vessels of others. This is an extension of my second point, but I thought it a necessary emphasis because your abundance lies in you pouring out into the empty vessels of others. In other words, you have to give something to someone else. You have to give something of yourself to someone else. Whatever their empty vessels might be, I don't know. But whatever it is, your blessing and your abundance is not going to come with your fist closed. You have to pour something of yourself into someone else. The challenge with this particular point and the big problem that we have here is that it gets right to the heart of your faith and what you say you believe. Many of you will gladly tell me, Pastor, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength because you think that you can get away with that part of the commandment with mere lip service. But the second part of the commandment that says to love your neighbor as yourself is a complete different story. This part makes you accountable and it is very convicting. This is the giving principle and it requires that if you want something and you want something big, then you must give to others in a manner that reflects what you want to receive. People often like to say, and I want you to hear my heart, church. I really do. People, people, people like to say that they do not give to receive. But you and I know that that's not true. That is not true. I'm not going to give you 40 hours per week and not expect to receive my paycheck. Ain't happening. I'm not going to pay for you to go to school and not expect you to come home with good grades. Ain't going to happen. I'm not going to give you my faithfulness in a relationship and not expect you to be faithful to me in return. Yeah, yeah, I love you, but it's not okay for you to cheat on me. No way. And I'm not going to give you my tithes and my offerings and not expect a blessing from God. It is just that simple. So stop trying to pretend that you are all so holy and that you do not give to receive. As a matter of fact, even God gave to receive. The word says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that even God gave so that he could receive you into his eternal blessing. But the point is, you have to give something of yourself if you hope to receive anything that you want or need in return. But the power of giving is not just merely giving for giving sake. It is giving in a manner that is proportionate to what you want to receive. Here it is. If you give a little, expect a little. If you give a lot, expect a lot. That's the power of giving. So when Elisha said to the woman, hear me church, hear me clearly. When Elisha said to the woman, go get as many empty vessels as you can. And oh, by the way, don't only get a few, get as many as you can. His mind was not on her not having much. It was on her being able to give much. I don't know if you heard that. 
This is a major revelation of the Spirit. We have been focusing all this time on the wrong thing. The amount that God will provide to you is in direct proportion to your level of trust and faith. And God will give you as much as you are prepared to receive. Why should God give you a whole lot when if he gives it to you, you have nowhere or nothing to do with it? You have to be in need for God to fill that need. And the greater the need, the greater the faith, the greater the abundance in blessing. Church, let me bring it down to your street. If you are broke, it's because you give like you are broke. If you are poor, it's because you give like you are poor. If you are lonely, it's because you give friendship like you are lonely. Church, if you are brokenhearted, it's because you love like you are brokenhearted. Get over it. This is the power of giving. It is to give yourself beyond your limited capability. And guess what? You cannot outgive God. But the text concludes with verse 6 where it says, When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not one more vessel. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. The clear implication here, church, is that as long as there were vessels to be poured into, the oil that the woman had would never stop flowing. As long as there were vessels to be poured into, the oil would never stop flowing. Likewise, for me and for you, as long as you keep giving of your resources and your finances to the ministry and service of other people, as long as you keep seeking more vessels to pour into, which is what the church does, then you will never lose your ability to give. You can't outgive. God, I don't know if you're hearing me. I don't know if this is making sense to you, but you need to understand that when you're tightening up, you're not tightening up against anybody else but yourself. God wants to get something to you, but you've got to pour into more empty vessels. You see, the problem is, as I stated before, God's laws and God's principles are true and they are without compromise. God is not a man that he should lie. So the problem is not God, it's you. You don't really believe like you think you do. And you give in a way that shows that you're giving based on what you think you don't have instead of giving based on what you do want. I'll say that again. You're giving based on what you think you don't have instead of giving based on what you want. This is faith. This is the element of faith. If I want a lot, I'm gonna have to demonstrate a faith that proves it. And how do I prove it? I sow into the vessels that are important to the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about sowing into something that is good for you. I'm talking about sowing into something that is good for other people and for the kingdom of God. That's why this church is holy ground. And I tell you, we come Sunday after Sunday 
and we tell you we are a beloved community. We tell you that we're collecting pill bottles in order to be able to be a blessing to people in countries that don't have pill bottles and you hold up yourself and you're tight in your spirit not knowing that what we're doing is giving you an opportunity for God to pour into you. So the question I have for you today, church, and it's an important question that only you can answer. When you consider your life and where you are today, right now, when you consider your whole life and where you are right now, here's my question. Has your oil stopped flowing? Has your oil stopped flowing? And if the answer to that question for you is yes, and when I'm talking about oil, of course, we know it means the Holy Spirit. But what I'm talking about is, are you, are you at the place where the oil of, of hope and the oil of love and the oil of exuberance and, and all of the wonderful things that comes with the oil, peace, if all of that has stopped flowing, then my brothers and my sisters, I submit to you right now that you need to take a look at what's in your vessel. What's in your vessel? What do you have going on for you right now in your life that you may be overlooking? Maybe you've got something that you think is not a big deal, but God is saying, look at that. Elisha said, what do you have in your house? The second thing you need to do is you need to gather the empty vessels of your neighbors. Meaning, what is it that other people you know in your circle are in need of? Someone might need to be trying to send their, their kid to college and need just $100 just to pay the, the transportation costs. They have a need. That's a vessel that you know about. Fill it. Whether or not you get a reward. Because what I'm telling you is as long as you find the vessels of others and you start to fill those needs, God's not only going to bring you more vessels to fill, but he's going to give you the means to fill that need. So I am talking about money. I am talking about faith. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about everything that you have that is going for you. Sometimes all you may have is not a roof over your head, but love and compassion in your heart. That's something you can give. Somebody who's feeling lonely and abandoned could use a, a, a kind word, a phone call, a letter, handwritten, instead of an email or a text. I'm just saying, find the vessel and pour into the vessel start pouring into them and into their lives but here's the here's the clincher you look around at your vessel and what you've got you find the vessels of others that need some kind of blessing poured into them but the clincher is that you pour into them more based on what you expect from God I'm not gonna be stingy pouring into you and not because I want to save what I've got it's because I want to make more room for God to pour into me I am an empty vessel myself but I want God to pour his oil into me not so that I can walk around and wear a fancy robe and say what a great pastor I am and a great ministry but so that I can seek and serve more vessels that I can pour that oil into for myself it is in the act of giving and giving as much as you can give 
that you're going to be able to witness the power of God. So sow good seeds, but sow and sow plentiful so that God can fill you up that you have no room even to receive. To get out of your place of lack, my brothers and my sisters, the message today is simple, very simple. Try your best with all that you're doing in your life. Try your best to find one more vessel and pour your all into it. One more vessel because the text tells us when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. So if you want your oil of blessing to keep pouring, to keep pouring, find one more vessel and pour your all into it. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.